Well, welcome everyone to CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm here today with Megan and Courtney to talk about their fundraising that they're doing with Jack.org. Welcome. My name is Courtney and I am a recent graduate from Queen's University. I graduated in 2019 from a Bachelor's of Art in Health Studies. And right now I'm currently working towards a master's degree in counseling psychology. And I kind of got into that because of the events that have recently happened and the reason why we are doing this fundraiser. Awesome. And then I'm Megan. I am also an alumni from Queens. I did my bachelor of science in kinesiology and graduated in 2019. Um, right now I'm working as an occupational therapist assistant at a local clinic here in Kingston called Make Way For Me. And then I also coach gymnastics and cheerleading here as well. And so Courtney, why don't you tell us a little bit about like why people should be interested in what, what you guys are doing? Okay. So yeah, in May, May 29th, we will be taking part in a 100-kilometer bike ride with Jack.org Jack in honor of our best friend, Bethany Boat-Yan, who passed away in um, January of 2020 because, like, by suicide. And she was a uh, Queen student, a varsity cheerleader, and an aspiring teacher. And we will be joining her family um, to fundraise for youth mental health and advocate for um, increasing programs throughout Canada. So first off, like out of all the charities that you could have gone with, why did you decide to go with Jack.org? Do you have a reasoning behind that? Yeah, so we chose jackart.org because it's a Canadian-based uh, foundation, and the Yan family has been supporting it for the past six years. We chose it specifically because they don't only bring awareness to mental health, but also provide workshops, lectures, and other resources and tools to teach young leaders how to advocate for mental health. And they also have this sort of focus on decreasing stigma and the barriers associated to uh, receiving the appropriate support for uh, mental health. And then Jack, we chose the Jack ride specifically because it's only, it's one of their um, many different initiatives for mental health, but essentially it's the one that raises 25% of their um, fundraising pool. So it's really cool to be a part of such a substantial um, initiative. Yeah, it's good reasoning to go, go with them. It's nice to stick with the Canadian charity as well, just uh keep it uh keep it close to home and uh so you're riding with jack.org is there like a message that you want to get across to anyone that might be following you along or might just be hearing about you now so we are in a very fortunate position where we can use our experiences and our loss to help raise awareness and open up the conversation surrounding mental health. Not many people, but we are like their experiences, the ones that we have um, had. And we just want to really advocate for how fluctuating mental health is and that it is okay to not be okay and to reach out even when you're feeling good, if you're feeling bad, anything, and to um, find the resources around you. And that's what jackdoc.org is all about. It's um, providing resources and making things more available throughout Canada for people who um, are going through a difficult time, not a difficult time. Like It's just so important to know the availability of mental health resources around Canada and that there are always places that you can reach out to and people that you can contact and that you're not alone. I know that Bo was really adamant on 
constantly reaching out and finding therapists, uh, speaking to people using these platforms. And we just want to carry on that drive to make sure that there's availability for everyone. Yeah, and I think to add on to that as well, we also want to get the message across that you can make a difference. And we had no idea how big of an impact we would have going into this ride. And yet we've become the number seventh fundraising team and we've raised over $7,800, which is still increasing. So we want to just say that if you're considering starting an initiative for mental health, then to do it because you don't know how big of an impact it's going to have on other people around you. Courtney, you you rose a point of getting access to resources and and reaching out if you if you feel like you need to. And do you believe that there's adequate access to mental health resources on you know Queen's campus or just in general? So I know, as I previously mentioned, that uh, Boat she personally benefited from Queen's mental health resources throughout her time at Queen's. She was quite reliant on them, and they were very good to her, but um, I mean, Queens as well as other Canadian universities do need to increase their mental health resources um, as there is a significant growing need, whether or not we're just speaking about it more now, but there definitely is a lack in um, development that needs to kind of step up. But however, like they have been working hard on like meeting these needs and desires and hopefully they will fulfill these demands in the future. We definitely did notice throughout our friends going through the loss of boat that there were some areas where they could increase their support. And I, Meg is going to talk a little bit more about that and our personal experience. Yeah, so from our personal experience after losing boat, the mental health resources at Queens were unequipped to handle the immensity of our situation and the number number of people that were impacted. With Queens Varsity Cheerleading alone, we have a team of over 20 athletes um, who are all students uh, that needed to seek out emergency mental health resources from Queens in the days and weeks following her passing. Um, but then there was also Boat's housemates, her co-workers, her classmates as well that were re- trying to reach out to those programs and they didn't have access to that um, just because of the how many people were reaching out of, at one time. In order to kind of fulfill this need, Queens actually had to bring into bring extra mental health resources um, and professionals onto campus. Uh, which was a great thing for Queens to do. However, these individuals were not fully informed on the situation. And because of that, they had difficulty meeting the needs of the students at the time. So I really think that in order for Queens, not only Queens, but every university across Canada and you know the world, they really should set up emergency measures for when there are situations like this. Because I find that so many students do end up falling through the cracks, you know, their grades slip and we're held accountable, which it's fair, we are adults, it's university, but I do believe that there needs to be some sort of uh, program where we can, they can reach out to students who are in need and have these larger services. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a bit of a crisis right now and uh, there are people falling through the cracks and it's not a fun thing to be to be going through alone. And if you want to have those resources and don't have access to them, it's very, it's even more difficult to actually 
get better with when you can't actually find them. And uh, touching on the how you brought up that people, some people are falling through the cracks and say somebody is one of those people that are falling through those cracks, can't get access to resources. Say they're listening in right now. What kind of advice would you give someone that is going through a tough time or is stressed out with exams like midterms? What, what would be the best exa- advice you could give them? Um, so essentially what I would say to the, this type of person is that we understand and we validate how you're feeling right now. Um, but it's also important to remember that being overwhelmed with everything going on in your life makes it difficult to see how hard you're actually working. And it's work to get up in the morning and work to eat when you don't want to. Uh, it's work to go to class every day. And it's really hard work to balance your mental and your physical health, uh, especially within unfamiliar circumstances like the current state of the world. Um, so remember this when you feel like you're unmotivated or not getting anything done because being overwhelmed makes it really hard to see things clearly. Um, I also would say that it's really important to take a step back and evaluate what you can and can't handle. Um, if you can't handle taking six courses at a time, it's okay. If you can't, um, or if you want to take a year off of school, that's also okay. You just have to make decisions that make you happy uh, just genuinely and completely happy. Yeah, we we live in a world where, you know, it's kind of, it's looked down upon to, need to take a break. It's looked down upon to show any kind of need for help. And that's what this initiative, these resources, what why we're doing all of this is really here for. It's to let you know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to need to take a step back need like to take a week a month a year off mental health is not definitive just because you're going through a bad spell doesn't mean that that is what is your brand for life and providing resources learning how to uh cope and deal with uh your mental health on the sliding spectrum no matter where it is if it's good or bad is the most important thing and just to remember that there are always going to be bad days, but they will always, always follow up with good days. And especially being a university student and living in a highly stressful and competitive environment, there are going to be hard days. And they there are going to be times where you do not feel adequate and you don't know how to reach out and everything is difficult, but you just have to keep pushing through and take it easy on yourself, you know, take that break, sit and have your coffee, you know, just reach out and use your surrounding resources and you'll only grow and benefit from learning about your own mental health that way. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome point. I really like the point that you brought up of uh, pain doesn't last forever. You know, it's, it's a temporary thing and it might last days or even like years but eventually something else will take its place so it's just about holding on uh to that hope of of something else changing and that's i really like that point that you brought up um but you've been through this long journey with jack.org and everything you've been through what would you say is the the best lesson you've pulled from this entire journey that you've been through the biggest lessons that I've learned so far is that as an individual, you can impact so many people in your lifetime and usually more than you can realistically imagine. 
Um, I saw this first when we held the memorial for boat on campus and over 200 or 300 people gathered together in a room that was meant for less than 100 people. Um, and I continued to see the support uh, through throughout our fundraising efforts for this bike ride specifically. Um, and it, it's really just demonstrated how strong a community can be when working towards a common goal. And I also learned that it is so important to show your friends and family how much they mean to you because they don't, you don't know when someone is going to need that little extra reminder of your love and support, especially when they're going through a hard time with mental health and those struggles. I mean, it's definitely hard to narrow it down to one specific thing. However, there is just, I've learned through this whole process that there is such a strong community of people who support each other and are fighting to reduce the stigma surrounding mental health and the utilization of resources. It's just, it's been absolutely heartwarming how the outpour, how much outpouring of love and support that we have received from the start, but especially through just beginning our fundraising as Meg mentioned we have already raised $7,800 and we are up there with the banks right now and that is something that has just been so overwhelming to say the least it really shows me that we all have a place in this world and we are all here for a reason and that spreading awareness and constantly fighting for mental health needs to become normalized and it's something that we're going to continue to fight for for the rest of our lives. Those are some really good uh, good lessons that you guys have pulled from that, and it's very uh, very admirable what you what you're doing, and it's really amazing that you've raised that much money uh, for such a great cause. So, and speaking of money, an important question to finish this off: Where, if somebody listening wants to donate to your ride, uh, where where should they go? I think that's what most people would be thinking about right now. <laughs> So you can actually head on to the jack.org website and click on the bike ride um, aspect and it'll show you the scoreboard of all of the teams and our team is called the Yan Clan and that's in and it says in memory of boat and if you just click on that it will bring you to our specific page but regardless if wherever you donate it's all going to the same place that just will show what money we have pulled in from our um, advocating and our um, fundraising efforts. So that just gives us more of an input. Like, as long as, you know, if you're moved to donate, then it doesn't really matter where because it's all going to the same place. But we are the Yan Clan. Yeah, and we encourage everyone who does donate to write us a little note in the comments of where you heard about us, why you're donating. It's really good for us to hear where you're coming from and it makes it easier for us to thank you appropriately as well. That's, that's awesome. It seems fairly simple, uh, straightforward, uh, the donation process. So that's great. Well, thank you, Megan and Courtney for coming on today. It was very nice to meet you and have a nice little chat about the fundraising that you're doing. Thank you so much for having us. It really means a lot that you are supporting us and jack.org yes thank you no worries and for everyone listening in or if anyone that just came on to the show that was courtney and megan uh riding 100 kilometers this may go check out the fundraising page uh yan clan if you'd like to support them thanks for tuning in to cfrc 101.9 fm have a great rest of your day folks 
Thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. We hope that you're having a lovely Thursday morning so far. We know that the weather has been um, nice and sunny for the most part this morning, and it's only supposed to be sunnier from here on out. Um, just remember to stay warm out there, folks. It is quite cold today. We have a high of negative 7 and a low of negative 19 for today. It is getting quite chilly at night, so just remember to bundle up as the real feel will also probably feel a little bit colder than usual. AMS executive and AMS tr undergraduate trustee, as well as referenda election results, were released least yesterday voting took place on tuesday february 9th and the ballot closed yesterday wednesday february 10th at 8 p.m and results were released shortly after there was a turnout of 3461 electors out of 19 002 electors so we had an 18.2 turnout for ams members to vote in this major congratulations goes to team rtz composed of ryan sieg tiana wong and zaid kasim for winning ams executive they received 66.2 percent of the votes for undergraduate trustee jaya sharma won with 71 percent of the votes ams members also were able to vote on referenda and all five organizations that were looking to continue their student fee received a majority of the votes being in favor of them. So this is the continuation of the Four Directions Indigenous Student Center fee of $1 subject to individual opt-out, as well as the continuation of the Helen Tufts Child Outreach fee of $0.60 cents subject to individual opt-out, the continuation of the JDUC Accessibility Fund fee of $2.50, which is mandatory, the continuation of the Peer Support Center fee of $11.67, which is mandatory, and the continuation of the Queen's Medical Review fee of $0.65, cents, which is subject to individual opt-out. Students were also able to vote to establish different student fees. So the establishment of a $0.50 cent fee subject to individual opt-out to support the Queen's American Sign Language Club also received yes with the majority of the votes um, for 82.9% people voting yes to establishing this fee. Um, another fee established was the 50 cent fee subject to individual opt-out to support the Queen's Asian Students Association. Another fee established was the 15 cent fee subject to individual opt-out to support the Queen's Protecting Animal Welfare Society, also known as QPAWS. Another establishment fee subject to, subject to individual opt-out that was established and got favors of yes was a 5 cent fee which supports the Queen's Squirrel Watching Club. People also voted to establish a 75 cent fee subject to individual opt-out to support Queen's Television. People also voted yes to establish a 15 cent fee subject to individual opt-out to support the Queen's Applied Biotechnology Club. People also voted yes to the 10 cent fee for QU Craft. People also established or agreed to establish um, a 15 cent fee, um, also individual opt-out to support Queen's Code. People also voted yes for a 69 cent fee to support Q-Wave. And people also voted yes to establish a, 0 .7, a 75 cent fee to support women and international security queens. So it's really amazing that all these great queens clubs and organizations are able to have all their fees passed. 
so that way they can receive funding to just continue really amazing programming and events and have resources and provide opportunities to so many Queen's University students. Speaking of Queen's University, Principal and Vice Chancellor Patrick Dean announced in a statement on Tuesday, February 9th, that all homecoming 2021 events will be virtual. This statement follows announcements made in January about plans to host two coming two homecoming events in October of 2021. Dean stated the early announcements were made to assist in the planning needed for a safe homecoming experience. Following conversations with university and community stakeholders, the principal announced this morning that the university has decided to seize any preparations for an in-person event in autumn due to continued concerns emergent from the pandemic and that homecoming 2021 will be entirely virtual as it was in 2020. COVID-19 has affected all of us and it is clear we will be dealing with the impact of the virus for some time, said Dean. Our priority is and will always be the health and well-being of our Kingston and University community while we work to fulfill our mission to deliver high-quality education and services to our students. The event, he added, will benefit stakeholders and address risks to health and safety in the community. Every year at this time, the city opens the doors to its greenhouse in Rodden Park and invites residents to come and enjoy the spring bulbs and tropical plants on display. This year, due to the pandemic, the city is exploring new initiatives that will allow residents to safely enjoy the greenhouse from the comfort of their own homes. Troy Stubinski, who's the operation manager of Public Works, says that we know many people look forward to visiting the greenhouse every year and we are working to provide that same experience virtually. The safety of residents and staff continues to be our top priority and has encouraged us to explore new and innovative initiatives with the greenhouse. More information about the virtual greenhouse experience and other greenhouse initiatives will be available later this spring. As you folks know, we have now moved into the green zone as of yesterday, 12.01 a.m., and that means that Queen's University will also be easing some of their campus restrictions that are currently in place. The ARC will reopen for limited activities starting today, Thursday, February 11th, with many different safety protocols in place. They will be posted on the ARC website in the coming days, but all facility users will have to book activities in advance, and they will also have to follow all signs and direction from ARC's from the athletics and recreation staff and you can go to gogalesgo.com for more details bookable study spaces will reopen also february 11th today students can reserve individual study seats in the stauffer library and the education library located on west campus there is also work to open individual study spaces in mcintosh quarry hall at the moment the confirmed opening date for these spaces will be posted on the library bookable spaces webpage. Campus dining halls will also reopen for in-person seating with appropriate safety protocols in place, but takeout options remain available for students who prefer that. The Starbucks in Mitchell Hall will reopen on Monday, February 22nd. Further information on other retail food outlets will be available later in the month. Students living in residence will be receiving information about the easing of some restrictions as well. With reading week coming up as of this Tuesday, February 16th, Mark Green, the provost and vice principal of academics at Queen's University, sent out an email reminding students that unnecessary travel should continue to be avoided and that many regions outside KFLN Day still remain at a stay-at-home order. 
The university is requesting that students, staff, and faculty who must travel for essential purposes outside KFLND, Hastings, and Prince Edward counties, as well as the Leeds, Grenville, and Lanark region, or those who have had visitors from outside the region, self-isolate for 14 days. You can also consider asymptomatic testing for COVID-19. Students can be tested on campus at the Assessment Center at Mitchell Hall, but others can also be tested at the Breach Grove Assessment Center. If you are in the KFLND region and you're looking for some really awesome things to do, boy do I have some news for you. KCFF lineup is finally announced and CFRC is a proud sponsor of the Kingston Canadian Film Festival and we are delighted to present the film Bloodthirsty by director Amelia Moses launching Friday, February 26th at 9pm. The festival runs Friday, February 26th until March 7th this year. You can go to kingcanfilmfest.com to check out the lineup. There are also amazing panels and workshops that are coming in for the festival virtually. For any musicians interested in making music for film, check out the film scoring panel happening Saturday, March 6th at 4pm. We'll be joined by Blitz Berlin's Martin McPhail, who has worked on films like Bird Box, Little Girl on the Train, Bad Times at the El Royale, Fifty Shades of Grey, Top Gun Maverick, Blade Runner 24. 49 and they will also be joined by australian canadian composer michelle osis and terry ben who scored the music for bloodthirsty which is screening at kcff this panel is free but pre-registration is required there is also an amazing um, event happening virtually called breaking in which is for people looking to start a career in film and media this is happening Friday, March 5th at 4pm. You can connect with industry professionals for advice on how to break in and get started in the Canadian film and media industry. There will also be lots and lots of Q&As. All of the films will be accompanied by a live post-screening Q&A with the director or directors. You can take part by playing the film at the advertised start time for each film and if you miss it you can still catch the pre-recorded Q&As until the end of the festival. Just stream the film and the Q&A will start automatically after the closing film credits. Don't forget, we have a long weekend coming up, so some city and utilities Kingston things will be affected by the Family Day holiday, which is happening on Monday, February 15th. There will be no garbage collection on Monday. Collection occurs the day after your regular pickup day this week. You can go to cityofkingston.ca slash collection to receive collection reminders by your phone, text, or email, or you can download the free Kingston Waste app on your Apple or Android device. Bus service will operate on a Sunday schedule on Monday, so please visit cityofkingston.ca slash residence slash transit for any COVID-19 related service changes. All administrative offices, including housing and social services on Montreal Street, will be closed on Monday. Utilities Kingston and Kingston Hydro will be closed on Monday, but if you have a utility emergency such as a gas melt, power outage, or a water main break, call the Utilities Kingston 24-hour number at 613-546-1181. The Kingston Area Recycling Center will also be closed on Monday. All arenas are closed. The Invista Center is open on Monday from 6am to 12am with COVID-19 precautions in place. The Artillery Park Aquatic Center is open from 10am to 8pm on Monday with COVID-19 precautions in place. The Rideau Heights Community Center and Library will be closed on Monday, but it will be reopening on February 16th. The for, for the community center and the library will reopen on February 19th. The Tet Center for Creativity and Learning will be closed on Monday, but you can find virtual events and programs at tetcenter.org. 
All branches of the Kingston Frontenac Public Library will be closed on Sunday and Monday. You can also go to kfpl.ca to find virtual events and programs. The Grand Theatre box office will be closed due to the pandemic, but you can go to kingstongrand.ca for any events. And the Pump House Museum will also be closed on Monday, but you can go to kingstonpumphouse.ca for virtual activities that you can check out. Victoria Gibson of the Toronto Star for the Local Journalism Initiative reports that eviction enforcement can resume in three regions of eastern Ontario on Wednesday, with the Ford government eyeing restart dates for the rest of the province in the next two weeks. The eviction halt was initially tied to Ontario's state of emergency, which ended on Tuesday night for three counties. According to the Star's reporter, as of Monday, the halt on eviction enforcement will last as long as any region is under a stay-at-home order. That order has been set to end, as we know um, yesterday, in the Hastings-Prince Edward County, the KFLNA region, and the Renfrew County and District. Another 28 regions are set to have orders lifted the following Tuesday, February 16th. The roadmap would then see Toronto, Peel, and York move out of stay-at-home conditions on February 22nd when eviction enforcement can resume. The 2021 eviction moratorium was Ontario's second during the pandemic. It was declared in early January as modelling data suggested that hospitals could become overwhelmed. Provincial officials cautioned on Monday that lifting stay-at-home orders wasn't a signal of a reopening or return to normal, and that an emergency break could be applied if COVID-19 cases surge again. Jordy Dent of the Federation of Metro Tenants Association argued that the moratorium should have been extended. We are nowhere near out of the water in Ontario, Dent said, adding that displacing someone could increase the risk of virus spread. I remain deeply saddened and confused as to why the province keeps doing this. Dent suggested provincial officials look to solutions like rent relief to help lower errors and keep people housed. Tony Irwin of the Federation of Rental Housing Providers of Ontario, which represents landlords, said his group has been pressing the province to enact such a program. We know that there are still residents who are struggling and who need help, he said. Resuming eviction enforcement is a welcome step, Irwin said. He argued there needed to be an avenue for landlords after all others who have been exhausted. I do think it's important to be able to access the full system. That doesn't mean there aren't still people who have difficulties, he said. Jessica Bell, who is the housing critic for the Ontario NDP, urged the government on Monday to introduce a rental subsidy program to keep tenants from falling into areas and small operation landlords from struggling to pay mortgages. She called as well for an extension of the moratorium. If you're a renter and you're in a situation where an eviction has been ordered against you, your life is about to be turned upside down. When you're looking for a new home, you have to go from place to place. You're unnecessarily exposing yourself and it's not safe, Bell said. The story is by Victoria Gibson, the Toronto Star for the Local Journalism Initiative. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. We hope you have a great rest of your day and don't go anywhere because we have more awesome programming coming your way. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.